What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of my high performance podcast where I share with you all the tips and tricks and skills that you might have to develop to perform in a very high performance way. Okay, I have a sad one today because recently we found out that my uncle had suddenly passed away. This was probably just before Christmas. And to paint a picture for you, I was just, I had just come home from dinner and my mum was sitting opposite me and we were just eating and I found that there was an, a weird tension in the, in the air, but it wasn't directed at me and I felt that something was off. But before long, she told me that she needed to go home to Hong Kong. And when I asked her why, she was just hysterical uh, because she couldn't hold it in anymore that her older brother had passed away. And this was a huge shock for all of us. Uh, but for me finding out, my uncle and I were, I wouldn't say we were close because we were separated by distance and I never grew up with him in my life. But I had gone back a few times and we always got on. And my uncle had a great sense of humor. He was, I mean, I, I, I wish that I had more time to spend with him growing up, but it's just that the times never allowed us to. He was an amazing doctor. He was a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. And for all I know, he was a very strong family man. Uh, till, till the end of his days, he still looked after his own mother, which is my grandmother. Uh, and he, he died doing what he loved, which was that he was still practicing in clinic on the day that he passed. Now, the point of today's podcast is I want to run you through these high performance skills that I had to quickly use on my mum, who was grieving heavily in front of me. And having been a coach now for almost 10 years, I've developed these skills from observation, experience, but also just being a human. I've nursed friends through their breakups. I've nursed my clients through their tough times. I have been in the same room as somebody who committed suicide. I have been in the same room as somebody who has found out that they have cancer. So there's so many things that the experience itself just taught me. And the funny thing was actually right before I found out of my uncle's passing, I was actually doing a podcast, recording a podcast, and you may have listened to it called Reframing, Reframing the Past. And I was using those strategies two hours later to console my mother regarding the loss of her, her loving brother. Anyway, so I wanted to show you exactly what I did to acknowledge the situation, but also not reduce it. I think there's many, many people who are very uncomfortable with sadness and they try and run away from it. But the first thing that I want everyone who's listening, I want you guys to all know this, is that sadness is the beginning of the healing process. If you're not sad, you cannot heal. Because the way I think about it is when you roll your ankle, your ankle will swell. That's one of the first things that happen. It swells so that the blood rushes to the area and it restricts range of motion so you can't do any more further damage. 
and then it starts to heal. The tissues begin their repair right away. And so sadness to me is the same thing, except it's for your heart. And so when you start to mess with the sadness process, which includes crying, you're not allowing this person to begin the healing process properly. So when my mom started actually breaking down in front of me and crying, my dad was doing his best to not make anything more of the situation. But I just walked over to my mom and I gave her a hug. And I just said, it's okay. I want you to cry. There's nothing wrong with crying because she was trying to control her breathing and trying not to cry. But I told her, mom, this is normal. You've just lost your brother like we've lost a family member it's completely normal to be sad you don't have to hide the fact that you're crying just cry this is very important for you and so she started opening her heart and she started crying and all throughout that i have to make a very important distinction there is pain that comes from your mind and there is pain that comes from your heart and when you're in the presence of somebody who's got pain from their heart you cannot say anything that's going to make them feel better. They might think better, but they won't feel better. What you have to do, in my opinion anyway, is you just have to have a heart-to-heart. -heart. And sometimes that might mean sitting together in silence with your arm around their shoulder. It might just be sitting next to them. It might be putting a hand on their lap saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not going to try and make you feel better because I, I'm okay with you feeling sad. And it doesn't scare me doesn't make me feel like I should leave. I'm just going to be here with you. So I'm holding my mom and I'm telling her, Mom, it's okay. Keep crying. There's no problem with this. And once, as that's happening, I'm starting to, to hear the things coming out of her mind. And she's saying, he must have been in so much pain. He must have been in all this agony when he passed. And... Her mind was trying to latch on to the pain, trying to latch on to all the perceived pain that he might have gone through. And so in that moment, my job is, in my opinion, my job was to reframe her away from thinking about however much pain he might have been in and to focus on what's important, which is that he died doing what he loved, which was treating people. So I didn't say anything like, no, no, he wouldn't have died in pain. He wouldn't have done it. I didn't say any of that. I didn't deny what she was saying. I just said, but how, be how beautiful is it that you were able to have all these amazing memories with your brother? And then she would say, I keep thinking of all these memories when we were younger, when we were playing together. And now that he's gone, like it makes me even sadder. And I said to her, same thing. I would keep reframing her mind, her the words coming out. And I would say, I know, I know, it's painful because you're looking back, but it's also normal because you had something great. You and your brother had some great times together. You and your brother were tight, and this is why you feel the pain now. And it's completely normal for you to look back and reminisce on these things. And it's completely normal for these memories to make you feel sad and for you to cry. And so every time she would speak, she would start crying some more. And I would just hold her and tell her, it's okay to cry. 
just keep going. And then after she'd stop crying, she would try and rationalize what's happening, which is very normal, by the way. The mind is the king of rationalization, even when it's unnecessary. Like there's no way to rationalize why someone dies when they die. But our minds try and make sense of it. So as she's trying to rationalize what's going on, I, again, I step in and I just simply use language to focus on other things of the memory, like how good they had, to, had it together as kids and how it's normal for her to reminisce and how normal it is for her to feel sad for the next couple of days and not be able to control what's going through her mind. So what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to give her the space for sadness. I'm doing my best to nurse her mind and her heart by saying, it's time for you to grieve and it's okay for you to grieve. I want you to grieve. I want you to feel like this is normal. I want you to be able to lean on me, your son, and lean on your husband. This is normal. And we repeated this process a few times where she would cry, I would give her a hug. And then she would try and rationalize and then I'd, I'd normalize. And after about three or four cycles of this, everything started to calm down. I mean that everything started to relax. And by the end of the night, she was sleeping soundly. And I said to her, and I knew this from my health background, but sleep's going to be one of the most important things. And I made sure that I observed her going to bed and she was sleeping well. And sleep is one of those things that we think is just you resting. It's not. You're actually processing memories as it's happening. So after she was able to cry, and my perspective of crying is basically sadness embodied, crying is the physical processing of sadness. And I allowed this. I encouraged her to do this. I told her not to resist anything. Do not resist memories. Do not resist the sadness. Just let it happen because that is the healing process. Two hours later, she was on the sofa snoring peacefully. And I noticed she slept basically the entire night. This whole process took about 90 minutes, one hour. But I believe it was very necessary. And I believe that if it wasn't for my background in health, and the reason I'm sharing this with you now, that as of 10 days later now, she's bounced back quite quickly and she's almost i would say that she's she appears to be almost exactly the same as before as before she found out and she's also told me that she's accepted the situation and she's accepted that this is part of life which is beautiful i i was so blown away with how quickly she was able to bounce back and this goes to show that she's just a tough tough woman But I don't deny that there are probably elements of what happened between the two of us that really helped her along the way. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm an amazing grief person. I'm just saying that with the skills that I've developed, I know how sadness works. I know how physical embodiment of sadness works. And I know exactly what the mind does when it takes a hit. It tries to make sense. It's in denial. It tries to find ways to smoothen out the process. And unless we rationalize all these people that it's normal, sometimes they can get stuck in their own heads. And I don't want that for my mother, especially not my mother. I don't want that for anyone. So 
I'm happy and I'm glad that I was able to use my skill set to guide my mother along her grief journey. And she's going to keep going with this. But during her time of sadness, one of the last things that I said to her, and I still say this, I don't say this at the moment, I just do it, is, Mum, right now, you are in a state of pain, which is completely normal. I want you to know that all of us are here. I'm here. I was staying in an apartment somewhere else, but I came home. Because it's just about being around. Sadness, in, in, all, in all its forms, is really just a call for help. A call for help from the people around you. Whenever you see someone sad, even if you don't really know them, you want to go over there and just give them a pat on the back. Especially if it's someone you love, you want to go over there, over there and give them a hug. So that's a call for help. And so I come back, I come back home and I'm just, I'm just around. And I know that just being around is something that gives a lot of people a sense of security. And it's nice and it's important. And that's the actions that I took. So if you are anyone that is currently struggling, not struggling, but needing to deal with grief for somebody else, just remember that grief is normal. Let's not shy away from grief anymore. Grief is what happens when you had something good in your life and it goes away. So if somebody is going through their grief, listen to what they're saying. If they're trying to rationalize with their brain, like make sense of something, use language that isn't trying to deny their experience. Observe that they're just trying, they're trying to hold on to the memory. Observe that they're trying to hold on to a sense of stability and soothe them. If they're focusing on the pain of everything, focus on the beauty. Maybe not the beauty, but depending on, depending on the situation, try to even just say nothing and encourage them to talk it out. Say the things that they want to say. And if somebody is aching, you can feel it in their heart that they're aching, you don't have to say anything to them. Go give them a hug. Go walk with them. Just be around them. That will do more for their heart's healing than anything you could ever say. And my final piece is, when I was going through this with my mother, I know that I was hurting too. I really like my uncle. We, we got along great. And I got hit by the sadness of the moment. But right in front of me, as I'm feeling the sadness, I see my poor mom breaking down in, hyster in, in hysterics. And so as a high performer, and I, I know and I, I, I make sure that I am this person, one of the reasons for being a high performer is so others can lean on you. We want to be the pillars in the family. We want to be the pillars in our communities that, that people can rely on. And in this moment, she needed me to step up and to provide a pillar for her, not the other way around. And so when I, I felt, I took a deep breath. I breathed. I felt the sadness and I processed it as quickly as I could in the space of five to 10 seconds. And then I turned my attention to her and I turned my skill set on so that I could help her. And after that was done, that night I went back to bed and I lay in bed and I forced myself to relive the memory and I felt the same 
pain in my heart. But that was okay because I personally know how to process my sadness in the confines of my dark room. I sat in it, I processed it. And now I still feel sad when I think about losing my uncle so early, but at the same time, I'm not dwelling in it. I know he's in a better place. All right, guys. So to finish off, quick dot point, reframe the thoughts. If their heart is hurting, use your heart to heal them. If their mind is hurting, try and normalize what they're thinking. Allow the space for sadness because people need that from you. And always work on yourself, work on your own sadness abilities, work on your own coping abilities so that you can be the pillar for your loved ones. Thanks, guys. I'll see you on the next episode.